Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Lucas back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. And, uh, you know, this, I would say, this interesting time and adverse time has brought on some, uh, uh, some definitely positive things, which I get to speak to my friends about cool shit. Um, very often, which I said, you know, I, I just did a, uh, a podcast with, with Eric Cressy um, last week. And I said, man, this, although I said, I, I don't want to do them over the computer. Um, I wouldn't be able to be doing this right now as frequently, which, which I think is awesome because I get, I get to talk to you today. And our guest today is none other than Mark Fisher of Mark Fisher fitness, which, you know, if you, if you're in fitness and you haven't heard of, of him and the gym, you must be living under a rock and this will be great. This will be great for you to listen to this, um, but I'm I'm just so grateful that we actually do get to do this and um and have a conversation with uh, a lot of people listening and be able to extract some stuff that's going on. And me and you essentially, you know, I always say that it would, it would be great if we just turn on a recorder every time we have a nice uh, drink and have a conversation about anything in life. Yes, it tends to get interesting. So, so this is what this is going to be like. Um, but. What, you know, one of the things that I said right before we, we kind of turned on the recording was that the, the thing that I'm really, really uh, kind of fascinated by is, you know, people that are, you know, quote unquote successful. And of course, that can mean a lot of things, but that, you know, the principles that they live by in different areas. And I mean, you, you have been a person that for sure, um, you know, inspires me in many ways from, you know, you're, you're like me that you consume a lot. You love reading books, you know, listen to audio books, always studying, always getting better, always thinking. And, um, and that's what, you know, and, and it drives me obviously to, to push myself. And I'm always listening to, and, and looking at what you're doing. Um, but I think that for people right now, uh, like tactical stuff is great. Practical stuff is great. And I love it. Um, but it starts kind of with the higher, I guess, um, like the principles like you know if we talked about like ray dalio that wrote the principles book like hey, hey what are what are mark fisher's principles and sure. uh when it comes to and the, the first thing i want to touch on is right now is there's just how people view the world so the mindsets and the the, the values that you believe that help people overcome just challenging times in general yeah well, first of all, thank you for saying all those incredibly nice things, my brother. That's a, I'm such a fan of you, so it means uh, so much. Thank you for all those kind words. And the one thing it does occur to me might be fun to do at some point is actually do another podcast after we've, after we've been drinking and then see how that compares. <laughs> and maybe it would be terrible. No one want to listen to that one, so we'll see. Listen, you have already set up podcast number two, probably within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> all right, well, great. Done and done. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's such an interesting time. There's so many ways to go with that question. And if we're talking about principles or maxims, one thing that I think is an interesting distinction that I think is important to negotiating and navigating these times, which are so turbulent and so challenging and all the other synonyms we want to plug in that are <laughs> appropriate is <clears throat> I think what's valuable always, but particularly now, which is a time that is so inherently emotional because all emotions are interruption of expectation, right? It's like, this, this isn't the way I thought this was going to go, or yeah. hopefully like, oh, this is going so much better than I thought. So if all emotion is an interruption of expectation, it is appropriate right now, even for people, as we have mentioned, you and I, that perennially are kind of like, 
yeah, I kind of figured something this was going to happen eventually. Well, even for people like you and I that are predisposed to be looking out for an apocalypse, this is an interruption of expectations. So it is only appropriate for people to feel emotions. And I think what is such an interesting razor's edge is you have to feel your feelings first. You have to actually feel them, process them, feel them physically in your body, name them, acknowledge them, sit with them, and then move past them. And what's challenging is that is such a fine line, right? Because they're, they're, that sitting and processing your feelings, of course, can also ultimately be like not helpful, beating the drum of what you didn't want. You can get in these not helpful feedback loops, which in clinical psychology, they would call ruminating, right? That's mm -hmm. literally the term ruminating means you just you keep going through the thing again. But at the same time, as is common oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes with many men, to rush to take action without really processing their feelings, then sometimes there's like some emotional constipation going on. And furthermore, we're missing some of our decision-making faculties. So one maxim that feels very true to me is that emotions are vital, helpful, and often slightly flawed tools for understanding our preferences and driving decision-making. So they're neither the end-all or be-all, but we've seen very consistently, and you read lots of books too, so everyone knows the, the stories of the guy that had the cancer in the one part of his brain and then they took it out and then he didn't feel emotions anymore and he was really chill but he couldn't make any more decisions so we need emotions we don't want to be emotionless but the stoics to my mind and I'm, i suspect you'd agree had it kind of right because i think a common misunderstanding of stoicism is that we're really looking for the complete absence of emotion that's that's not it right the emotions no. are very important information it's data it helps you make decisions and to understand yourself your preferences but it's important to understand that emotions are often slightly flawed. We're often seeing these slightly twisted frames. So it's important to integrate that information. But I think the metaphor that Mark Manson uses in Everything is Fucked is you just don't want emotions to drive the car completely without any oversight from your cognitive brain. You know, like when you're really, really, really angry, it's not wrong to be angry. Like anger is a perfectly valid and appropriate thing to feel, but it's not too common that a really life impacting decision you make in a moment of absolute rage leads to really, really good outcomes. So, you know, I think it's an interesting thing I think about a lot. And it's, of course, it's like a challenge because like a Zen Cohen, because like, well, what do you do with that, Mark Fisher Fitness? Well, good question, listener. But I would say that, in my opinion, a lot of the people that are struggling most right now are either not allowing themselves to really sit with the process and really grieve and mourn and accept how actually upset and depressed and angry and whatever they are, or they get stuck in this like feedback loop where they kind of, they kind of can't get out of it. Right. And I want to acknowledge that second piece, you know, listen, I, I am a believer in working on oneself, obviously, like I'm a believer in most forms of self-care work of which there's, you know, probably 30, we could name everything from, you know, therapy to psychedelics to flow tanks, yep. but I do want to acknowledge that there are certain people that also, I do think like physiologically, they got a little bit of a more challenging situation, right? They, their hand was not as good. So there are certain people that, and, and again, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but it does seem to me there probably is a time and place where you maybe need an actual pharmaceutical intervention. Uh, you know, my intuition with no real data is probably maybe, it, you know, and I'm really sort of on tenuous ground here, but my assumption is it's probably a little over-prescribed, but there are certain people that I want to acknowledge too, if anybody's listening to this, 
and honestly, if you're listening to this, you're, you probably aren't, right? Because by doing, by dint of this, you're looking to take some action. But I think, you know, this is like a tough time. And I think like mental health is a real thing and people have to really find ways to be compassionate themselves. But the end goal of that is ultimately you want to then, having processed that, move forward as a happy warrior, directly the confident of your, of your dreams, having ruthlessly accepted this new reality, right? Because it seems to me that's always the dance. With one hand, you're looking to intentionally create, mold, shape the life that you want. And with the other hand, you are ruthlessly accepting <laughs> the circumstances as they come to you. Um, and that, you know, I don't pretend to say, I, let me be clear to say that I do not do that perfectly all the time, uh, but that sort of is what I aspire to. So anyway, there's a little philosophical dance for you. No, no, I love that. And I, th those are very, very good points. I mean, as you're bringing them up, it's, it's interesting because I'm looping through thinking about that myself, right? Um, kind of walking that line where sometimes I'm quick to, you know, this, this is from my past, you know, shit happens. I'm like, all right, let's fucking go. Yeah. You know, warrior mode. <laughs> I will take over everything. Right. And, and, and maybe that's not the best thing. Um, but on, on the other side of it, I've always been afraid of, and, and there are times in my life where I, where I fell into the spiral of ruminating and the emotions taking over. And then, you, you know, you kind of create a, you put a microscope on a, on the problems and the fears and, mm -hmm. you know, make them bigger and then get stuck in that. And, and I, I know this, this is, this is one of those things where like, there's no true answer. I, I mean, I have some thoughts around, you know, working on, like, obviously I always like to bring it up that everybody kind of understands, you know, physical weightlifting. Um, but I feel like we should all work on also our mental, mental and emotional weightlifting, oh, right. And, yes. and have a process for it. Like you've brought up, right. That there's a lot of modalities. Some are, you know, some are ones that maybe you don't do on a daily basis, like, doing you know plant medicine and um, right but maybe you know therapy I've, I've done therapy where it was on a weekly basis and sure. that was helpful but then reading and journaling and you know doing actual exercises where you're expressing your feelings or doing mental work to me that's a daily mental weightlifting that you can do communication with others actively there's a lot of different things that we can plug into our days daily weekly uh and, and monthly to work on that. And then I think when times like this come, you, you are more prepared and you are better off at walking that line that we're talking about. But, um, you know, I, I guess what would be a question for you and maybe you have some uh, insights or maybe this is where the practicality might kick into play. Um, at, like that, that line, right? How do you operate? Or if you were, you know, if you were talking to somebody and maybe it's from, you know, your the Mark Fisher fitness team or a close friend, that maybe was getting stuck, uh, right? Okay, let's actually, let's do a little bit drill. So let's do both scenarios. If somebody was, you know, really kind of getting stuck in that spiral, what would be some advice or coaching that you would give on that end? And for somebody that didn't process emotions at all, and you could tell that, and they just went head first, and you knew it would be a better idea if they did process some of those emotions before moving forward, what would be, you know, your thoughts and insights on that? Like, for both scenarios. Yeah, what, what an interesting question. I guess the first thing I would qualify, and then I'll, I'll pull some stuff out of my butt for you like a rabbit here. The first uh, <clears throat> qualification I would say is that I'm such a believer in individuals' awareness of themselves and their own autonomy. One thing that I think I continue to work on in myself, I think I can do that to a fault at times. I'm like so respectful of people's autonomy that it's generally not in me to be like, hey, I think you're, 
you really got to get it off your ass. Cause but at a certain point, like I think sometimes <laughs> that probably is the advice people need. Right. Um, but like hypothetically, let's say there's a scenario and I'll, I'll frame it up. Let's say this is an individual that knows they're in a, a spiral. And this is an individual that knows they're not taking time to process. If they were to come to me and be like, Mark, what do you think is like useful here? Well, for the individual that is spiraling and can't get out of it, uh, I think working outside in, per, again, provided they process it, can be underrated, which is to say that action is generally the cure for anxiety. That as mm, soon as yep. you focus on action, and specifically, I am a believer that one of the best ways really to bring healing to ourself is to focus on being a life for others. So I think as the focus becomes other-oriented and actions and service and ways of thinking, okay, well, how can I help other people? It immediately takes attention off ourselves, And that often can help get us out of that cycle, particularly because once you begin to get the helper high, now you're building a positive feedback loop of dopamine. And, you know, to be clear, we don't need to go on this rabbit hole right now that I think there's a, a, a interesting related trap where you can define all your self-worth based on what you can do for others, which is both noble and you know, potentially problematic based on your life situation. But on balance, if I have this hypothetical individual, you know, I would encourage them to take some other oriented action to continue to feel their feelings. I would remind them it's okay to feel how you're feeling. It's, there's feelings that are awesome. There's nothing wrong with them. Feel that in your body. And what is like the smallest possible step we can take to get you some progress, some action towards the life you want and towards serving other people. Because I'm a believer that that is a thing that all of us have inside is this desire to serve others. So you know, when, when we find ourselves down the dumps, provided we've given ourselves time to process, it occurs to me that thinking of some way being valuable, of helping and really of service to others is, is often powerful. For our other friend, for the individual that is moving towards action and not quite processing, that would be interesting. My impulse there probably would be try to have an extended coaching conversation and really just ask them questions and ask them specifically about how they're feeling about things. And I pull out my flashlight and oftentimes this would be an individual, uh, you'll notice this a lot when men talk about their emotions, you're like, how did you feel about that? And they'd be like, well, I think that was stupid. It's like, okay, but how did you feel about that? And I would really probably work with this individual to actually get them to name it, to acknowledge emotion words. I would, I would ask them to get mindful and really talk about where they, what does that physically feel like in their body as a way of getting some awareness and some presence to what's going on in their body, how they actually feel about the things so that they can really take a moment and you know, let their emotional justice system do its thing and sort of poop out these emotions that may be constipated. And I'll say is my final button, I wanna again acknowledge the, the challenge of course, I think each individual is really the only person that can ever know that, but that would be the way I would probably, uh, my impulse of how I'd work with those two individuals to either get them out of ruminating or to encourage them to take some more time to process, sit with it, um, do some journaling, do whatever they need to do so to make sure they really are feeling their feelings. Because as the saying goes, there is no successful repression, right? <laughs> there is, there's no successful repression. It's going to show up somewhere. <laughs> uh, it is going to show and, up somewhere. That's you know, for and, sure. And better to find a, a safe space to process it and shine a flashlight on it and, uh, you know, acknowledge what's there. And because it's like you said, I think it's, it's so true, right? We don't think certainly people in the fitness industry, it's so obvious stuff. We need to like work on our body. We need to expose our body to adversity. We need to become mobile. We need to become stable. We need to develop some strength. We need to develop some power. And I think you're right. A lot of those metaphors, it's the same thing mentally and emotionally for people. Like we need to build resilience. And there's been a lot said about the nature of, <laughs> no one's talking about this right now, but until recently, <laughs> there's been a lot said about the nature of our lifestyle and 
how easy it is for people to not get that necessary adversity. One might posit, and I don't know that I necessarily believe this per se, but you might be able to suggest that a lot of these, you know, um, uh, what do they call them, diseases of desperation that we see in first world countries so often, I think, are crises of meaning, right? They're about dealing with the anxieties of modernity where we have better problems in many ways than our ancestors did, but once we have sustenance, we are left to ask challenging questions around, well, what is my life supposed to mean? What am I supposed to do? And how do I create meaning in my life? And, you know, it's an interesting world because not everybody, I think, intuitively is super comfortable or interested in asking those questions. And I think something we share is we are driven, perhaps compulsively, <laughs> like to ask those questions. And to your point, I think it leaves us relatively, not, not that you know, I haven't had my bumps, I'm sure you've had yours, but I feel relatively well prepared for these kinds of situations where you know, in real time over the past few weeks, I think I have you know, not always done great work. I think I, I you know, probably did both of some of those, frankly. I definitely had periods where I was overly ruminating and I had periods where I probably moved too quickly because I was like high on adrenaline and I was just like, go, 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 go. Um, and because of that, you know, I've definitely made, I think, some things that were probably mistakes, you know, but the, I, don't, I can't really frame it that way, of course, because <laughs> annoying Mark can like almost only frame as a learning opportunity. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but it is true. It's, it's certainly I've not done work here as a human in the past few weeks. And that, a lot of my journey, frankly, has been having some compassion with myself because I have very high standards for myself. I can go to a very dark, ruminating place where I don't meet my own standards um, and that, you know, is admirable in its way, but ultimately it's not helpful and ultimately that's not moving me towards the person I want to be. Yeah, I, I mean- But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, words, words, words. You brought, no, you brought up so many, you brought up so many good points. Cause you know, one of the things, like if, if listening to, to this podcast or anything, like when you read a book, when you listen to an audio, whatever it may be, right? I mean, hopefully the, the thing that happens is that you have some revelation and you go, you know, shit, like that's me, you know, um, right. I'm doing or not doing that. And it would be, it's obviously something that I need to work on. I mean, awareness and you brought it up, right? I mean, step one, awareness, it, or should I say, you know, assessment precedes awareness, awareness precedes change. Sure. Um, and if there's, you know, if there's one kind of moment where there's a realization that for, for a person that's constantly like, go, 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 you know, like I used to be to be to actually have to slow down and express feelings and know what you feel, you know, before you can actually make some decisions of where you're going and, or like my favorite one, you know, which you brought up, which in, in my life has been tremendously, uh, I would say powerful is like helping others and doing, do the, you know, to sure. get out of your, to get out of your head, you know, get more into your heart and obviously do the work. Um, but the, the thing that I wanted to touch on here was like, and what, what if you see, you know, with an event like this, that the question yeah, because I, I certainly have been thinking about that, right? As far as, okay, meaning, right? Meaning of even the businesses and, and the, the people and our teams and our you know, communities and families and the meaning of what we're doing. I've been asking myself that a lot. Uh, you know, is, that, is that the thing that everyone or a majority is asking themselves? I mean, I sure hope so, but um, I don't know if that's the case. But, you know, what what is the change? I mean, you even mentioned it before, but what are some things that is changed for you? Like straight up, like personal answer, you know, what, what has anything shifted for you? Like an aha moment as far as like, 
you know what? I don't care. I don't give a shit about this as much as I thought I did, but I care a lot more about this, you know, and, and from now on, you know, and of course we say, we say that all the time. It's going to happen, but like from now on, you know, here's how I'm going to, here's the meaning that I see, you know, that I, that I see, and this is where I'm going to, the direction I'm going to move into. Has, has anything shifted for you that you can actually say like that, that it's been a big aha moment? Yeah, I think the one that jumps out most is really surprising myself with how much comfort I have with solitude and really what a true introvert I am and how much energy I feel when I can go most of the day kind of puttering along, doing my own things. I want some contact, of course, and I'm very close with my wife and I certainly have friends and I love... I think the pulse of my life in the before times, which I think I hope will be the after times again, where, you know, if my life was extended periods of relative solitude, a couple hours per day of meetings with my team or clients or, or people I care about, and then occasional week long or weekend long friendship binges, which could be purely social, like Burning Man or shared vacation or conferences, which I love to go to conferences and meet lots of people and exchange ideas. I think it's gotten clear to me that my life was maybe a little bit overpacked, but then is 100% exactly in line with my desires. Now, having said that, I think part of the dialogue I'm having with myself about that and I'm not yet clear on is at the same time, we also sometimes have to make some trade-offs in life, right? So it's possible that some of my higher goals around service, around the impact I want my business to make means that it's not realistic for me to right now go into the woods and, you know, read half the day and then journal and then take a walk in the river and sort of reflect on what does it mean to be an ethical human? And, and I don't know what that is yet, but I, I have to say, like, I have found what seems to be a sweet spot of a life workload and, and not even workload because it's not that I'm working much less, but I have so much more autonomy in my schedule just because I kind of can't go places, I can't commute that I'm just really like wondering like what of this I want to bring into the next life. Because an exercise that I would encourage listeners to play with that I did the other day and I found was sort of interesting. I am a believer in the value of visioning, right? Of like really getting clear on, okay, where do you want your life to be in like, whether it's five years, 10 years, one years, whatever it is, but getting clear on the life you want. And I acknowledge right now for most people, myself included, that's not like the most fun because right now it's such a, a maelstrom out there. And furthermore, as we know, as the saying goes, plans don't work, but planning always does. So at the end of the day, that's only really a tool to decide, okay, what should I do today? Right? What should I do this week? Because everything in life is emergent. It's all evolutionary. You can't really reverse engineer life the way you might want. But I think having some practice where every few months you reflect, okay, well, where do I want to be in five years now? And then using that, not as an academic exercise and not because you're necessarily going to do exactly that, but to really help you, what are the changes I need to make now? What are the skills I need to develop? What direction do I need to point the ship of my life to move towards that five-year plan? Well, the five-year plan might not be exciting right now because life is crazed. And I think a version of that that I found to be useful was the classic technique, which you often use in the term of like with employees, like getting feedback of uh, stop doing, do less of, do yeah. more, start doing. But sit in this moment of disruption of which we may never have anything, knock on what I hope we don't, right? Yeah. Hopefully this once in a lifetime moment of disruption. 
but getting really honest with yourself, like, okay, of this, now that you have this moment, you're so untethered for your life. What are the things that when you look at what your life has been that you want to stop doing, or even maybe what your life is right now, right? Because everybody's, I think life has changed so in very, very many different ways, right? So I want to acknowledge if somebody teaches time management there, I know there are many people that have never worked crazier hours in their life and are facing incredible challenges of, of capacity and emotional fortitude and have all sorts of personal obligations. And then there are plenty of, of other people that find themselves underemployed with less to do than they ever have in their life because either their business has shrank or they've lost clients or, and they can't leave their apartment, right? So it's, it's a real constraint. So regardless of how your life has been impacted, my sense is one of the opportunities is this level of disruption, hopefully, provides a real space from what your life was to get brutally honest with yourself, brutally honest about what kind of life you want to be living. What are the things that you're doing that don't light you up? Now, some of those things, like I said, you might decide, okay, I want to eat that frog because that aligns with my goals and my vision. And I will make that trade off because that's in line with how I want to impact the world during my brief life. But most of us also have things that we're doing that are really out of alignment of what we want. Oftentimes we're doing it because of the expectations of others. And I think that is important to articulate. And I think frankly, most people, this tends to be the case because of the way our brain is designed, will have an easier time acknowledging these are the things, these are the tasks, these are the projects, these are the relationships that I would like to let go because they're not working for me anymore. They're not filling me up. They're not in line with my goals and values. And I need to rip off some Band-Aids. And now is, I, I, hope, I think it's probably the least scary time for people to rip Band-Aids off in their life because mm. in the apocalypse, I find everyone's being very flexible, right? So <laughs> Michael and I are doing actually a webinar on boundary setting, right, uh, later this week. And boundary setting is something that many people struggle with. I am of a mind, it's one of the most important time management skills that people really struggle with. Because you get into all sorts of self-worth stuff. It does require, I think, a certain, it is actually a skill, like how do you do this in a way that preserves the relationship, but takes care of yourself, right? And I think now is a great time to practice boundary setting because people get when you say no right now, you know, like people are like, no one's going to be like, come on, man, come on. It's like, no, I say no. Like the people understand right now, like you've got to do what you've got to do for your life right now. Um, you know, and again, I'll qualify one last time. You still have to, of course, consider is there a trade-off here that's really worthwhile? I'm not suggesting people be like, you know what, my wife and I fight some time. Divorce, and you know what? Like, I'm closing my business because my employees are assholes. Close it, you know, and like <laughs> wake up a week later, I'm like, oh no, I totally messed that person up, right? As they say, like, don't quit your job or get divorced the week you after, get after the week after Burning Man, right? Just like hold off if you want to do that. Wait two weeks, think on it. <laughs> um, and then I would know importantly, I'll just uh, mention briefly. It's very easy to get clear on what you don't want because of the way the brain is designed. But remember, the reason we focus on those things also to focus on what do you want? What are you not doing as much of as you know you'd like to be doing that you know is in your zone of genius that really lights you up, that really has impact on the world? Or what are the things you don't do at all that, you know, it's so cliche and sort of like maudlin, but like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? But like, really, like, ask that question. Like, <laughs> what, what would you like to be doing that you're not doing at all? And I think that type of exercise, you know, I think just by saying it, my hope is people are, are asking themselves some of these questions, but I think would really reward, you know, a 20 minute investment with a nice strong double espresso or a coffee and a pad of paper and just like think that on paper, just get that on paper. Because in my experience too, that's part of why the personal development space, I don't know of any social science literature on this that's useful other than maybe some 
or the consistency stuff that Cialdini talks about. But that's why I think getting stuff on paper is important. And, and I, I'm not precious about maybe being a notebook, but I don't think an exercise like that is good enough to think about it. I don't think it's bad. I'm happy if you thought about it and you're in charge of your life. But I would really, I would really encourage you to really take 20 minutes and actually think on paper because sometimes you might be surprised at the things that come out when you give it that level of attention. Man, you, you threw out so much stuff. I was like creating bullet points in my head, which I should be putting on paper, as you say. <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree with you. Actually, the first thing I say is like, this is a big ass pattern interrupt for the whole world. Oh, yeah. And, and we talk about pattern interrupts. And I think that in regular, you know, let's just call it regular life right now. Um, they're a little more difficult to implement to really kind of shift, you know, all the things that you were bringing up as far as what you want more of, what you want less of, you know, and what I, you know, what I need to upgrade, what I need to stop doing, what I need to do more, uh, what I need to add. Uh, those are in, those are very, very powerful, but I do I, right now really is that's, a, a, I mean, you made a lot of great points, but I think that point that this really is a big pattern interrupt where you do get to do a lot of the stuff that usually might feel a lot more uncomfortable because we're just in an uncomfortable space where a lot of things aren't going to be as uh, maybe touchy. Like, like you said, setting boundaries and yeah. Hey, I can't, you know, even honestly, like think about in, in scenarios where I'd have a conversation with somebody like, and they're like, Hey, I, you know, I just lost my job where I'm down to 50% salary. Sure. You know, the only thing that I have is like, obviously empathy and understanding there and like, how can I help? And right. Where honestly, if the, if the same decision was made in a different time frame, I may have taken that a little, like a lot different. So right. I, I think that's a very, very powerful point. And on the side of, um, of putting things down. So there, here's a, a drill that I did. This is actually a, a interesting story too. In, in our second location here, when we in, in Seattle and Renton, um, and you know AJ Roberts uh, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty damn well. And AJ came out to, I was helping him out with his mobility and he was all beat up and stuff. And we're just hanging out. And I had, uh, I had this whiteboard uh, right behind my desk and it said Tomorrowland. And Tomorrowland is a drill that I used to do and still do to this day, where essentially you kind of draw out the tomorrow. You know, you write it out, you visualize it. And, and I had it written out you know templates thousand square foot building smoothie bar and it was all like written down in bullet points and it was just there all the time and then every here and there something would pop up in my mind and i'd you know write it up on on that whiteboard and draw some stuff because i like to doodle and shit and um aj ended up coming out to the grand opening uh of this new vigor when i bought the building and everything else and he comes up to me like in, in the middle, cause it was a whole day kind of celebration. We had live music, all this stuff. And he comes up to me, he's like, Hey man, like, I just wanted to bring something up to you. He's like, you know, he's, I'm so proud of you. But I remember when we were at your spot, you had this thing written out like five, six years ago. And he, and it's like almost to the T of, you know, what you wrote out. And uh, I didn't even think about it until he brought it up. I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, that, that's true. Like the Tomorrowland board. And, and, now there's a new Tomorrowland board and it doesn't even have to mean I'm bringing up an example of business. Um, but I do it for my life too. You know, I mean, you can do it for anything and everything. And then when you have that kind of like Tomorrowland and like you said, Hey, you know, there's like plans don't always work out, but planning does. Uh, what it helps you do is create a path And I I'm a big believer, you know, a, kind of like a tagline that, that, that I love that I think is true is like, you know, when, when there's no path or plan, the default tends to be 
struggle or the default, the default tends to be what you're doing right now. Right. Sure. Totally. So if, if you don't have a path and a plan, it's very unlikely that things are going to change from what you're doing in this time with this pattern interrupt allows for, I would say some, some space to go, all right, here's what I want. Okay. Let's create a plan and a path to get there. Now that plan and path is probably going to change. You're going to have to revamp it a lot, but I guarantee you, you'll be on a much better path than, you know, you are right now, if, if you want to change stuff in your life, which I'm sure everybody does, right? You either want more of the good stuff you got and less of the bad stuff that you got. Um, I, I think everybody wants that just at different levels. Totally. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, and it, it's, you know, that story, it's so interesting and in that like, <clears throat> that seems to happen a lot, right? You know, and I, as you know, I read lots of books and I have to say at this point, I, I am so taken with, mm, maybe twofold perhaps, but, but with the work of like Matt Ridley and Nassim Taleb and, and, and really just evolutionary concepts as like emergent phenomena is like how the world works, right? Like we, we think like intelligent design can happen, but so often everything is just kind of random. It's just like, it's emergent. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just sort of the way things work. Um, however, I just can't, I cannot uh, do away with the things I've seen, like your experience of writing about Tomorrowland. Right, I just know of too many times where people like wrote a thing down, um, and then like literally made the thing. <laughs> you know, like yeah. even in my own journals, I'll periodically go back and I'm like, "Holy shite!" Like I remember this is like one of the like I remember I periodically teach a goal setting workshop, and I remember teaching one like two or three years ago, and I remember I pulled up this picture, which at the time I thought was like this really cool picture of New York City. Cause I don't know, it was like the one year plan. I was like, oh, it's like a cool thing. Everyone get inspired, it was really cool view of New York City. And, and I was teaching the workshop and I was like, wait, that's my apartment window. Like that's the view from my apartment window. <laughs> like in the middle of this workshop, I was like, what? Um, so, and you know, the, I've seen too many things like that to, to discount the value of visioning and goal setting um even though i believe the process of creating it is is always gonna be messy and chaotic but yep. i do believe there's something to be said for these unconscious um decisions perhaps these 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 decisions we make to move and it's not necessarily magic i don't know like i, I don't know law of attraction like kind of makes sense to me i don't know like I'm a, I'm a skeptical scientist guy from new jersey so i'm like the last person to ever be like into things that like there's it's 100% not verifiable and law of attraction is not really verifiable but I don't know it makes a lot of sense to me and to me whether it's true or not is irrelevant frankly because this you know if you adopt the life where you believe that getting so clear on the things you want and really aligning with it and then as the saying goes when you pray move your feet right because it's just not enough just to think about the thing you actually have to do stuff um I don't know I kind of buy like maybe there were like in, you know metaphysical it's like sub-physical forces swirling in the Northwestern United States that helped bring to you this, you know, this facility that literally was designed based on your dreams. I don't, uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, well, here, here's, what I, here's what I think around that, right? Because um, there's that one side of like, well, we both know, like, right? Just like you said, if you pray, move your feet. Um, I, I found that, let's take, for example, books, right? And we both love we're very curious and we like to read. And when I, when it, let's say I'm going diving into a topic and I read 10 books on a subject, I know you're the same way. You, you'll want to know something about a topic and you'll just devour shit. Totally. And, but what starts happening is that as I'm gaining knowledge in this one area of expertise and getting these insights, right. And 
I start thinking about the possibilities, I'm naturally going to start acting in line with that belief system. I think, you know, and, and I think that's what the, some of the, what law of attraction does, right? It's like, if I write it out and I see it and I envision it and, you know, and, and I have, now I'm, now I'm finding stuff to support this vision and it gives you knowledge that you're like, oh shit, well, all these smart people, they did this thing. They're saying that this right. thing is good. Now I'm starting to develop this belief system around it. And now I'm going to act in line with my beliefs, which, you know, I mean, that's some of the stuff that's obviously been proven our subconscious and how we behave. Totally. And, you know, our mindset is a, is a ecosystem of our belief systems. Right. Totally. And so there, I, that's where I think that it is. And, and that's why I say like too, you know, uh, I said, you know, <clears throat> books, books and, and, and knowledge and education brainwashed me. Right. I was, I was almost right. like, if I, you know, if, if I like study about this thing enough, it's going to brainwash me away from maybe what my current belief system is. That's not necessarily supportive. Yeah. And, um, and that's where it becomes, I think, like a powerful thing that you can't, totally, dude. And, uh, and same thing. Hey, listen, I'll give you an example, right? Let's say, you know, somebody's like, man, I love Mark Fisher. He's amazing. He's awesome. Which of course you are. And they, they start hanging out with you and their certain belief system was whatever it may be, something that's had them stuck. Right. But they hang out around you so much and they listen to you and you're an inspiration to them, a role model, and they're listening to you talk about a certain subject and they go like, Hmm, but Mark believes this. Right. And then they start kind of, it, it puts a seed into their, into a new belief system and maybe starts breaking down their old one. Right. Because you have that much more pull because you're inspired, you know, they're, they're inspired by you. Just like if somebody was looking up to Jordan or Kobe or whatever is going to sure. carry more weight. And, and, you know, you're like, ah, I think strength training is dumb for basketball players, but Kobe goes, Nah, man, it's actually very, very important. That's what part of the thing that made me succeed. Now you go like, shit, maybe I should be strength training. Yeah. Right? And, and you start exploring that, right? I think that that's how these things happen and why it's so important to be surrounded by, first of all, you know, I, I like to call it collecting role models. You should be collecting role right. models. I love that. Whether it's um, physically, meaning going to, to seminars and courses and, you know, anything that Mark Fisher Fitness does, like you should be there or whether it's online or offline or whatever it may be um, at the events that people are at and, you know, and or books, like get inside of the head of the person that you aspire to be like in some way or another. And, and you know, that, that certainly changed my life. I mean, I can say that that's not a kind of sort of maybe thing. That's <clears> something that's altered, you know, the direction uh, of my life uh, I, drastically. I, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's interesting too, and I'm wondering for your perspective on this, because the thing that surprises me is, and I don't know if it's because you and I are so obsessive and compulsive and insane that we do it at like a, a different level of like intensity and volume and literally just spend more percentage time of our waking hours. A, a friend of mine calls it washing our minds, right? It's not brainwashing. We're washing our minds. We're washing out the shitty, dumb, helpful, dumb beliefs and we're just like constantly exposing ourselves to things like, you know, you're right, that are, I think are, yeah, they're watching our mind, right? They're really creating new beliefs and challenging ones that aren't working for us. And it's interesting because one of my thought experiments I'll often have people do because I read a lot of books and sometimes nobody like, to my face shits on that. People do shit on that sometimes. And I, I totally get it, right? People are like, oh, you, you know, posting up books. It's just like status signaling. You're just like status signaling, whatever. I'm like, okay, like, I, you know, it's, it's totally cool. Like, I'm not mad at you for saying that. But my thought experiment is that if you read 500 of the greatest books ever written, 
split between 250 on your professional skill set and competency and 250 just on the psychology, philosophy, personal development, things are just going to make you think better and have a better life outlook. Even if you willfully attempted to not let that change your, the way you look at the world, you probably would fail. Right now, I don't know that's the most efficient way to do it. Like there, there are probably faster ways. Maybe you should work with a coach or do a, a, some sort of transformative high intensity program or work with a therapist. And maybe you should do some of that stuff too. It's not either or, but it seems that, you know, number one, that I know a lot of people that seem to read a lot, but don't seem to make the shifts that you and I have. And number two, you and I seem to really like changed meaningfully, right? Like I so relate with what you're saying, like, uh, and it is because of exposing ourselves, I think, to, you know, you are what you think about most of the time, choosing the books we read, the people we hang around with, Charlie Munger calls it, right, making friends with the eminent dead, right? I love what you said, like, mm -hmm. collecting role models, right? Like, I feel like I have so many, you know, role models, both, like, people, like, in the world that I don't know at all, people that have long been dead, people that, like, I know and I hang with once in a while. Like, a great example, something like, one of the most influential people in my life is John Berardi. And I probably spent maybe a day all together, a day to two days, aggregate in the same room. We've maybe hung out on like four to five times. But because of the limited experience I've had with him and because I have absorbed so much of his content over the years, he's one of the most influential people for the way I look at the world. Even on his like Instagram, which I barely consume content ever, it's amazing how even his like random Instagram posts, I have had those moments, like you said, where I was like, thought a certain thing and I saw Brody write something, I was like, huh, maybe yep. I was wrong about that. Berardi thinks this. Well, clearly I must be <laughs> potentially mistaken. I got to really question that belief, you know? Because, um, and, and maybe I'll offer this. I'm curious to hear, you know, if you have a perspective on why it is some people don't always seem to make the, the leap. Might be perhaps because you and I know are also both reflective where we're always open to challenging the thing. You know, like if we see somebody we think is really brilliant or a book we, we really love or somebody we really look up to, we're always going to be like, huh. And we're always asking, okay, how does this apply to me? Right? Like we're, we're not the guy that when we read a book about cause psychology, it's like, yeah, everybody I know is dumb about this. You and I are like, oh shit, am I doing that? Oh shit. I probably could do that better. <laughs> uh, and I wonder if, if that's a distinction. I wonder if you have any theories on why it is some people seem to consume a lot of content information, but don't always change their behaviors. Cause I'm endlessly interested in that as a coach. Mm. So yeah, those are great questions. And, um, pondering that as we were talking about it. Uh, I, I think so. First of all, I think one of the values that has to be prevalent in anyone's life, I think is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, regardless if it's books or, you know, spending time with people, whatever, right. Curiosity has to be at the bottom and you, you have to want to get better more than you want to be right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Would, well, well said. Cause I'd rather be wrong and get better than be right and yes. stay the same. Yes. And now here's, here's where I think it becomes important. Um, and maybe, and maybe, like I said, this is just my thoughts and maybe experiences around it that if you attack, like, so if you attach, you know, I think it's pretty simple to say, you know, if you ask somebody, what do you want? You know, but then they'll go like, well, I don't want to live in a shitty ass neighborhood anymore. And I want to, you know, and I, I want to do better for, and for my family and whatever, you know, I, I, want some financial security. I want to be broken. I want to, be able to support my kids. Right. It, it'll be pretty simple for people to answer some of these questions. So I always thought about like when um, reading books or, or anything else and 
I'll come back to, to you mentioning John Berardi, who, who's been a huge mentor in my life as well. And, and I always went, you know, as I'm reading through this, okay, this thing that I want, how is this belief supporting what I want? That's, right. I always ask myself that, you know, and, and it could be like a very mundane thing, right? Where, I don't know, you're reading a marketing book and you're like, oh, well, how meaningful is this to life? Right. But, but, but I can always attach it and go like, Hmm, like, how does this fit into what we're doing? Yeah. And how can this get us to where I want? So for instance, if I want, Hey, I want the company to be healthy and I want the, the team to have careers and I want to buy some more buildings so that we can build more security for my family in Slovenia. But right. Like it, I'm going to always bring it back to that, to that. And so I, I look at stuff through that filter. And I think that if you can attach those things together and go like, Hey, this stuff that I'm learning, um, you know, I'm going to try it. Like, I think, I think this is good. I think it's going to work. I kind of, I, I I'm, I'm behind it and then I'm going to take action on it. Yeah, and then yeah. I'm going to learn from that. And like, it, if, if you believe it moves you forward, even if it doesn't work out the way that you want it to, totally dude, then then I feel like you're connecting the, the books and the whatever you're, you're, you're consuming to that connection of does this fit, you know, is, is this within a belief system of that's going to take me where I want to go, right? It's kind of like the do your uh, behaviors match your goals, right? I mean, it kind of comes back to that. So am I, I'm reading this book and I've gotten better about, you know, reading through like a, a third of a book or a quarter of a book and going, huh, you know, I'm really not getting right one out of that where I, in the back I, I used to just go through it to be like yeah me too it. dude um, me too. but now i don't and i and i think that's hopefully what happens to people is that you know um i mean action is so powerful right because here, here's here's the correlation okay and this is what happened to me when i was actually studying training when i was still playing basketball right because that's how i got really really into studying because i'd study stuff to get faster, stronger, jump higher. And I would read about some stuff and go, huh, I w you know, I wanted to get faster, stronger, more conditioned so bad. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And then it would work. Right. And that was such a binding moment for me. Cause I was like, Whoa, I, I read about, you know, Charlie Francis's stuff and he's you know, yeah, best yeah. sprint coach in the world. And then I went and did this stuff for like two months and already I could see my first step getting faster and my verticals, you know, then it's like, okay, if I read other stuff in other areas and I do it, then I can move forward, right? Like, um, I think those were the aha moments. And of course, like through time, you also read stuff and it doesn't work. And, you know, and then you're like, hmm, what happened here? And then you go back and it's like, oh, this person isn't really, isn't really that prominent and he's just bullshitting and writing some crazy stuff. And you just start, you know, and you kind of learn and you figure stuff out along the yeah. way. And, and then you start meeting people that are, are smart and a lot smarter than you. And you ask them, Hey man, like what, what research should I read? What books did you go, you know, and they, they tell yeah. you and they kind of give you the shortcut. And I think that that's what happens, but there's nothing that happens without action. I just like, it's just such so an important true. thing that even every time I do a show, a podcast on somebody else's podcast at the end, I'm like, Hey, what are you hearing right now? I don't care. Like whatever it is that hits your gut, that something that happens, something you heard, please just act on it. Forget about it. Just act on one thing because the feedback that you get is going to reinforce you learning more or taking action after the next podcast. And then it starts this snowball effect that can really, really, really 
you know, move you forward in life. And then, and then, and then that's when I think that, you know, the books that you do read do become much more valuable because I'm always trying to take at least this one nugget that, um, you know, it, take it and use it. And I'm, I'm really weird about stuff. Cause like, I'll, you know, I'll read a book and something's really profound. I'll end up writing an Instagram post in my own words around the thing that I learned of course. or, you know, a blog post or the next podcast, I'm already like dropping, you know, those insights and like, here's what I read and here's what I, you know, what I got out of it. And here's what I think. And this is how I think it can help you. So it just reinforces it. And, and that's when it, that's when I really do think that stuff can help you move forward, you know? So um, I, I, I think that there's a lot to unpack of the person that reads the book, but doesn't take action. It could be all types of things from, you know, insecurities and, you know, the poppy, the poppy flower syndrome, right? Like, sure. oh no, what if I stand out and, and then I get judged and persecuted and, you know, I do know this stuff, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be, be bullied or embarrassed or, you know, and, and so there, but you know, you know, what's so crazy though, like this was sound kind of, but I've read books around that, that gave me aha moments that were like, oh shit, that's what I'm doing. Right. Right. It's like uh, the dark side of light chasers, Debbie Ford, why good people do bad things. You know, I'm reading through it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like that's, how, that's why I did this stupid thing. Cause I was so hurt and insecure and right. Like, so it, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. Cause it's, it's this double-edged sword. Um, but I, but I do feel that like you got to work through it and it's not just like, you know, anything else like planning it's in business and life. It's icky. It's, it gets, it's not smooth. It's it's not um, right. linear. It's none of that shit. Like it's it's all over the place. But there is a theme of constantly getting better. And and when you meet certain people, like like I said, I've been so fortunate to have known you know Berardi now for I don't know like twelve years, thirteen years or something like that, and spent I mean a, a lot of hours you know <laughs> with, with him. But but it's like you know like you said, a person that you really you know you know that they're a great thinker and thought leader and they've achieved things and done stuff and failed. And they, they're, they ask you a question. You know, he's asked me a lot of questions that were like, Hmm, I'd go home and think about that shit for a week. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, and then go like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? He made a great point. Actually, he didn't even make a point. He just asked me a powerful question and it made me figure some stuff out. And you have to surround yourself by that. Like your environment, I mean, to me, environments are just, so I mean they're almost everything right the places that you train the people you surround yourself your environments the books that you read you know what you see totally. what you put in your ears and um I think that slowly you know we shape our environments and our environments shape us and those are the, those are the things that we can choose and if we choose the right way for some it moves faster you know like may, maybe for you and me I, I don't know I, I think I started earlier and maybe some of that was just you know, working through a lot of adversity and being a knucklehead and having a lot of crazy situations. Um, for some, it goes slower, but it doesn't matter. You know, because the, the analogy that I'd say is, you know, I bust my ass and worked as hard as I believe anybody could ever work sure. in basketball. And I achieved more than people thought. But you know what? I'm not, you know, top 100 NBA players. I didn't, you know, I made it to an NBA Silver Pro League. But no matter what I would have done, right, I... I wouldn't have uh, been, been LeBron, right? Or Kobe. And, but I kept getting better and I kept improving. And what's so cool about something that's non-sport related, things like study and reading and coaching and, you know, is that you can get better forever. Like in basketball, oh. I couldn't get better forever. But 
and what we do, you can't. Right. And so yeah. even though you move slower than, you know, in one area, maybe me and you move faster than others, but maybe we move slow in other, other areas. Yeah, very true. Very and true. it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like if you keep moving forward, like you'll feel more fulfilled because competence is one of the, you know, three of those intrinsic yeah. motivations that, that we all have. And if you keep getting better, you're going to be more fired up and you're going to feel better about yourself. It's true. Yeah, it's an interesting. I wonder if the potential takeaway for listeners that the thing that really jumped out at me is you had mentioned how it's like the feedback loop, right? So like, I wonder if there's somebody said for you mentioned very specifically when you first started adopting strategic conditioning was powerful because you noticed, so I did this thing and then things changed, right? And it's, it's interesting because I, I, I think I've always been interested in learning and growing, but you know, certainly how I got in the fitness industry was the positive feedback group. If I read these things, I lived a certain way and then my body changed. And I wonder if there's something to be said for, uh, and there's all sorts of reasons why people might not be taking action, but I wonder if the, the distinction is the opportunity you and I experienced where fires were lit when we saw inarguable evidence that, oh, we did, we learned a thing, we did it, and then we got positive feedback loop. And then we just got, I think in a healthy way, like addicted to that positive feedback yes. loop, addicted to taking action and doing things. And it just sort of feeds on itself. And then you get more confidence. And then the whole process becomes a joy. The process isn't even annoying. Like we love the, the figuring out. It's not that like we never get bummed. We never have bad days. We never get frustrated, of course. But like on balance, you know, we've, we've uh, fallen in love with the process, so to speak, right? And I think that's a, a maybe because of that positive feedback loop. So I wonder if anybody's listening, trying to get to it, like an acorn they can take away, if it's, it's something as simple as like, just go turn off the podcast and just go do the thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, get some wins on the board, you know, see that you're not the effect of your environment. Um, and then, you know, get addicted to the, the process and the, the joy of this never ending, wonderful, infuriating unfolding because you're never going to get it done anyway. But that means you don't ever have to stop. We can do it forever. And that's, that is a very, very good point, which, you know, I, with that side of like, you know, counting your wins and, and I, I, you know what I think, I, I think that a lot of people just don't connect the dots sometimes. Right. I, I did this, yeah. so I, you know, I, I got this workout and I felt good. Hey, if I go for a 30 minute walk every morning and listen to a positive podcast or audiobook, wow, my day starts better. Right. You're, you're so um, kind of stuck in a, in a, in a loop of, let's just call it, it's like this life of, you know, sedation. It's just so, so habituated that you don't stop and go like, Hey, you know what? Like when I did that, I felt really good. And, uh, and I was actually just coaching one of our business guys who, you know, he said, Hey man, like when you were starting your business and uh, like, man, did you get freak outs and like this, that, the other, and like, man, I'm right now, it's like, I have these, this roller coaster and I'm busting my ass. But like, sometimes I just have these massive anxieties and it just stopped me straight in my tracks. And, you know, I said, Hey, like everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm somewhat of a workaholic, you know, and, uh, but, but I have found my pattern interrupts and what are the, and whether they're 10, 15 minutes, you know, in a day or they're an hour or they're, you know, weekly or monthly, whatever it may be, I do know what are, what the things are that help me feel better, help me focus more, help me, uh, you know, kind of like step away from the situation and the stress. Sure. And I, I, you know, I said, listen, like spend five minutes, put a timer and like start writing down what are some things that make you happy, make you smile, yeah. calm you down. Um, you know, I did that drill uh, 
a long time ago, a friend of mine actually, you know, I was going through some crazy shit. She, she did that exact same drill with me. And I wrote down all these things and, um, you know, 90% of them I didn't do. Uh, 90% of them were free. You know, <laughs> yeah. I love nature. I love drawing. Like I love the draw, drawing, like really makes me actually uh, calm down. It's like meditative for me. And I used to draw when I was a kid all the time and growing up and I just didn't do it anymore, you know? And, and so I, even just seeing that in front of me was like, holy shit, like, you know, we all seek these things that are going to help us feel better, but they're right there. We just don't choose yeah. to do them. And so I started, you know, like even right now, if the weather's, as long as it's not raining, I go on a dock and I read from one to two hours a day right now in this, you know, uh, I would say quarantine because I live right there on the lake. That's, I could have a horrible day and that's going to reset me. Sure. You know, there's, there's a little couple of paths that I walk. I walk Kulon Park in the morning right? There's this bed of nails at home I have. I mean, I could list out a, a list of things, but the point of it being is that you have them and going back to what you said earlier, right? It's like you plan and maybe yeah. it doesn't, you know, it doesn't maybe always pan out the way you wanted it to and 20 minute meditation is a five minute meditation and the walk that was going to be an hour is only 15 minutes. But because you have a plan, I guarantee you it'll be better than if you didn't have a plan. And, it, and if you just stopped and said, Hey, like these are the things that actually really help me reset and take some pressure away or make me feel better. Cause I send, you know, um, a loved one, something I actually just, I don't know if you ever heard, heard, heard of this drill. Alan Stein was the person that brought it up to me. who was a performance coach in basketball work with a lot of super high level NBA guys. Um, and you know, I've, I've, I don't do the pennies anymore, but like I, I did it so much that I actually got used to it, but uh, it's this analogy of the 10 pennies. Right. And, so in basketball, if you give somebody an assist, um, if, first of all, it feels great, right? The person that scored the basket is, is happy. The person that gave the sure. assist is happy. The guy that scored the basket is like, man, great pass, dude, right? So, and the team won. So everybody's winning. And, and so I, I learned this from Alan. He said, hey, man, like assist people every day and, you know, put 10 pennies in your left pocket. And every time you do something for somebody, whatever, you know, buy the coffee for the person mm. behind you. Help somebody at work with their project that you didn't have to, you know, send a uh, appreciation and gratitude text to somebody you haven't in a while. And every time you do that, you take a penny out of your left pocket into your right pocket, you know, and it goes to the end of the work day, end of the day, have all, you know, 10 pennies in your right pocket and, and make that a habit. Now, That's awesome. if you do stuff like that, like, I mean, I can tell you from my personal life experience that that shit changed my days it made me feel yeah. i was i was like you know and it's a little bit of a for me personally i'm like a very you know uh jordan slash kobe mamba mindset guy right like it was the challenge right like but but when i did it if i felt great you know i go to super subs and you know i just gave the girl like hey five bucks like hey whoever's behind me just you know pay yeah. for five bucks of it and i'd walk out and like they didn't say thank you because i walked out before they could but, but I was like, inside, I was like, ha great, you know, yeah. penny, great thing. I just assisted them. You know what I mean? And man, like that, that, that stuff worked. But so you got to find these really simple things that I promise, like simplicity wins in your day that become a buffer for the craziness, you know, and, and, and the other side of that too, is you got to find, you know, the time to deep work and, and, and tr you know, whether it's training really hard and challenging yourself, whether it's mentally challenging yourself, whether it's, the thing that we said at the beginning is like, you know, hey, you're, you're journaling your emotions, which is really hard sometimes, uh, you know, if you haven't done it before, harder than any tough workout, you know. Um, but once again, you're planning and you're being aware 
and those things will move you forward in life and things become easier and easier. And then, you know, new levels, new devils, you want to reach a new <laughs> summit and shit's going to once again, get challenging. Right. But, yeah. but that's, man, that's what life is about. Totally. Oh man. Agreed. We've solved the world. Thank goodness. Yeah. I, I like, is there any other <laughs> topics? Because we're done. Uh, on a serious note, I actually like I looked at the time. I, um, I got to run to, um, I got a PT session cause, uh, I've been uh, messing myself up a little bit, but uh, our, our physical therapist, Dan Swinsko, still open. Which brings me to, though, first of all, we got to continue this. I got a whole bunch more questions. And the next time, uh, we're going to bring our drinks of choice, and we're going to do what you said at the beginning um, and have a sip and then dive into the conversation. That sounds delightful. <laughs> uh, but, hey, please let everybody – like, first of all, like, Mark, Mark's one of those people I, you know, I would consider him a – very, very close friend. And, you know, I'd fly to New York and chop heads off. if, if <laughs> that, That's, you know, that's how close of a friend he is. Um, but besides being an incredible human being, an incredible friend, he's also, I mean, and if you guys have listened, exceptionally smart and knowledgeable about a lot of things. And, you know, I, I continue to learn from him, whether it's any new articles that are written, courses, um, and obviously listening to him speak which anytime I can, we're going to, you know, bring him out to any of the bigger summits <laughs> or anything else that I'm doing. But please share, like, if there's anything right now that you got going on, that would be very, very helpful. I mean, I know you do, but the things that they can get access to where they can find uh, more, more about you and business for unicorns and Mark Fisher fitness, uh, anything that, uh, that you could share. Yeah, for sure. So depending on when this podcast goes live, the thing that is different about lockdown life, one of the things that I've been focusing on both as a personal practice and hopefully as a way of serving is I am like writing my butt off right now. So both Business for Unicorns and Mark Fisher Fitness, two very different audiences. You'll get a very different slice, a, a sliver, a taste of me. Uh, I'm writing about two emails per week and I'm like really happy with the content. It's, I, I'm really pleased with the information I'm putting out there, whether you're a fitness pro and you just want to see the way Mark Fisher Fitness does stuff, or if you want to hear more about a lot of the stuff we talked about today, uh, you can get a little more tactical as far as the business stuff goes. So that's markfisherfitness.com and businessforunicorns.com. Uh, they can also find me on Instagram where I post erratically at markfishershumanbeing.com. Um, and then other than that, I am always available for friendshiping. So my, my email address is mark at businessforunicorns.com or mark at markfisherfitness.com. Uh, and I always am thrilled to answer unlimited uh, two to three bullet pointed questions emails. So if I can, I'm always happy to connect with people. If there's certainly anything I do to serve anyone's missions, it always means a great deal. And um, yeah, I'll just say like, Luke, I just appreciate you so much. This was just such a joy for me. And I genuinely hope we, find a, an evening to do one of these while just slightly drunk. <laughs> we definitely will. <laughs> thank you, my brother, man. This was phenomenal. And, and thank you all for, for tuning in. I always appreciate it. I'm very grateful for you guys. I mean, like I said, there's so many people now tuning into this and, and you could be in anywhere else, but you're here listening to us ranting and hopefully sharing a lot of valuable information and useful information. And because of that, thank you. All right, guys, Coach Luke is out. Mark's out. We will see you in the next show of the Video Life Podcast. Peace.